This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The five players Denny Carter cannot stop drafting. Denny, uh, you're the second guest on our weekly show. Welcome, first of all. Long time no chat. Yeah. Uh, with guests who come on this channel, though, through these five players, I feel like I find out a lot about them. And for you, I've learned two things. One, you love tight ends. And two, <laughs> if a player is 27 or older, they are totally dead to you. <laughs> yes, uh, they are out of the player pool completely. 27. I, and, I mean, I'm talking like if you're 27 and three days old, it's over. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way. That's that's analytics. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's that's the way it is. That's the way it's got to be. And uh, uh, I am an age discrimination uh, drafter. Denny, I do miss you. Uh, the long heralded, um, Denny. Your thoughts on segment has has now been in the archives for for years and years. Yeah. Um, but today, again, it's just your thoughts on like the five players you cannot stop drafting. The people love the first one that we did last week with Jared Smola, and I'm excited for you to. Uh, to talk us through your list here today. How has your drafting been going this summer? Let's ask. We're only mid-May. Yeah, I mean, I I, I feel like I have uh, something of a, of a grip on what I'm doing uh, this year compared to to last year. Um, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not going every which way. I'm I'm trying to stick to a certain number of players, a c- certain kinds of strategies. I mean, I've read a lot of. Uh, obviously, I watch you guys. I read a lot of what Hayden writes about optimal best ball. Uh, stuff and uh, talk to Patrick Crane, who knows a little something about it. I've uh, heard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't know he much. But he knows it. something. So, uh, you know, I, I, I do. I feel a little, little more confident. We'll see how, we'll see that how that turns out. But uh, drafting best ball teams this year at least feels a little better to me than it did last spring. Well, the the Roto World crew did a uh, draft the other day that was absolutely hilarious to me. Yeah. Bullying Roto Pat into stacks and stuff, and he came <laughs> to the dark side eventually. It was, it was good content if you haven't seen it yet. Yeah, it was it was fun, and and I ended up forcing a, a Carolina Panthers stack on mm-hmm. him, and I didn't, you know, but it just sort of fell it fell to us. And uh, there, there's one thing I have to say, and maybe Josh, maybe you have some insight on this, but I heard after the draft, uh, David Tepper and Frank Reich had this press conference where they talked about obviously Bryce Young they talked about the team and they were going on and on about Adam Thielen and they said we got Thielen with the idea that we're going to get Bryce Young and Bryce Young the way that he operates mixes really well with Thielen and that caught my attention and so I I begged Pat Darty please Pat draft Adam Thielen for me well, that goes against what you just told us about your 27-year-old because he's closer to 37 than he is the opposite. Uh, <laughs> You're also, right. I do make exceptions. Yeah. Spoiler alert, uh, there are no running backs on this list either. So if you love that Shocking. position and, and think <laughs> that that actually you know, is involved in fantasy points, you might want to just move on. Okay, without further ado, let's jump into this top five. Your first name is who? It's uh, JSN, Jackson, Jackson Smith and Jigba. I, he strikes me as the kind of guy who is going 
is going to command targets. Like he's going to force his way into uh, that rotation there. He's going to force the Seahawks to play more three receiver sets, which, you know, they were like middle of the league. I don't have it right in front of me, but the middle of the league and three wide receiver set usage last year. But like, you know, as Roto Pat said on a recent show, that might be because they didn't really have anybody to play that third receiver, anybody like to reliably get on the field with Metcalf and with Lockett. And now they, they absolutely do. And while this, I think while this Seahawks team is going to be balanced or maybe even a little bit run heavy with, you know, Smith under center, I still, I still think that his ADP is very reasonable right now. Yeah. The Seahawks were more pass heavy than people want to give them credit for last year. And this is, even more reasons to do this really is just kind of like Tyler Lockett versus JSN to me. I feel like most people are comfortable that DK Metcalf is probably going to lead the team in yard and probably touchdowns, but is Tyler Lockett over the hump is JSN Mm. that good. And that's kind of what we were debating last time with Jared Smola, who actually liked the Tyler Lockett side of this. And I, you can make a reasonable case for either one of them. The one thing I really do like about the JSN entire locket price tags is some of the wide receivers around them are a little bit older or have some injury concerns, a quarterback play. And I like Geno Smith's price tag a lot uh, right now. And he's very stackable as either your second yeah. quarterback or um, potentially even your first, if you're going to be punting off the position. So JSN, I thought could really lead this team in underneath targets and stuff. But I do think it would require either Tyler Lockett to take a step down or an injury. But guess what? When there's two of them, there's contingents. Uh, on both sides of it so i think that jsn's totally fine right now i am a little i am a little scared of the whole locket thing and and i, I tend to well i'm among the you know in, an entire fantasy industry that underrates locket every year so uh i may, you know maybe he doesn't go away and, and maybe there's just not enough targets to go around here for jsn to thrive but also geno smith the way that he has that he operated last year i i think that jsn would make a really nice safety like your safety valve for him uh so from a ppr perspective i know underdog is half ppr but from a ppr perspective it's uh it it could be could be fun could be a a little bit of a cheat code so one i think this is very timely because it feels like over the last seven days there's just a constant discourse about the seahawks wide receiver room and like which one is valued appropriately and which one's not hayden as you said many are drafting as if dk is clear and not going to have anything taken away from him. I think there's an argument that maybe JSN takes some stuff away from DK, maybe not entire locket. But at the end of the day, like, look, this is the wide receiver 30, 61 overall. And to me, this is such a different prototype of player than filled this wide receiver, quote unquote, three spot for the Seahawks last year when that was Marquise Goodwin, who was like all athlete despite his older age, vertical player, almost contested catch in a way. Whereas JSN, where I think of it with Shane Waldron calling plays for them and where he comes from with the Los Angeles Rams, Uh like if you get some choice routes going in the middle of the field with DK and Tyra Lockett creating some space in that area, a third down to first down machine and what Jason gives you at the middle of the field, again, is something that they haven't had in this offense and an offense that is un. Like, not Pete Carroll-esque anymore in terms of, hey, we just want to play good defense and run the ball. Like, with Gino, they're going to air it out. And this is, right. like, I know it's rich at points, but, man, just wh- how he wins at the college level is exactly he's going to be asked to win at the NFL level. And that's just easy translation. 
Yeah, when I'm watching Gino, he likes to hit that kind of seam route, and JSN is not afraid to take a hit over the middle there. So I do think that stylistically, it is a good fit. And going back to Tyrant Lockett, because I think it's really important for JSN, he has completely given up yards after the catch. And I'm, I'm guessing that's highly correlated to your age and avoiding injuries and stuff. So that is something <laughs> yeah. to monitor. And to bring up a point on that, the Seahawks actually had the lowest yards after catch figures in across the league last year. I think they were 30th among, obviously, 32 teams. But it is such an interesting point, Denny, where JSN is going. And this is kind of how you open this conversation, where it's right after the Christian Kirks, Michael Pittmans, and Chris Godwins of the world. And then it's JSN. Then it's Brandon Ayuk, Mike Evans, then Tyra Lockett, and then like some unknowns in Jordan Addison and Kendarius Tony and George Pickens. I know I'm taking a lot of Jordan Addison. I'm also taking a lot of JSN at this moment. I'm taking a lot of Brandon Ayuk, but it's almost that point of the draft again around pick 61 where it's so easy at this point of the year to have player takes and have conviction yeah. on one or two of those players. And then to me, that creates almost a blind spot to the other three or four or five that are going around them, unless I'm trying to stack. But then it's even like weird stacking partners with, you know, who wants to draft Kirk Cousins? Who wants to draft the Tampa Bay quarterbacks? You know what I mean? No, I, I do know. Every time I come across Kirk Cousins and he's just sitting there, I need a quarterback. I'm like, ah, oh, come on. Like, there's got, there's got to be another solution here. Uh, and then I scramble and end up taking someone I hate. So, uh, by the way, you know, that wide receiver ADP there, I have to say that when I when I hit on either JSN or, or Chris Godwin, I am compelled to take Godwin because he is the wide receiver one in an offense that will probably be predicated on lots of short throws to him uh, in the intermediate area. I, I, I do like JSN over a guy like Mike Evans, say, who is going to really be hurt by the lack of, of Tom Brady. So I, I think the, that range of receiver, there there is a lot – much to consider, much to consider, much to consider. And, uh, and, but I, I, I do, I like JSN not more than Godwin though. And I find those two are on the board at the same time, all, all the time, pretty much. Yeah. Right. For me, it's really just the stacking component. If I already have my wide receivers, then I'm more comfortable to go with Chris Godwin. But if I don't have a quarterback, I will go out of my way to get JSN or Tyler Lockett so I can set up Gino. All right. Let's right. jump a little bit down the board because the next pick is wide receiver 37, 75 overall. And that is that is Traylon Burks. And this is a guy, I mean, I don't really, I'm not like a Traylon Burks truther, you know, like I didn't come into last year me. Uh, saying like, uh, Hey, like uh, we, we gotta, I gotta get this guy everywhere. Uh, in fact, he, he became too, too rich for me pretty, uh, pretty early on in, in the process. But I think, you know, the last, well, it was starting in week nine week. Uh, I'm looking at the game log right now, week 11, uh, against the Packers when he had seven catches on eight targets for 111 yards. That, that's when I think, I feel like he started to pop a little bit. I know that, you know, that he was inactive for two, two games shortly after that uh, finished the season with eight catches on 15 targets in the final two games. And I think most importantly, he had a 31% air yard share in the second half of the season, which is, which is strong. I mean, it's not insanely strong, but it, it's strong enough. I think, uh, to maybe point to better things in in his sophomore season. Of course, the whole issue comes down to like, will the Titans throw the ball? Like, ever. will they throw the ball enough <laughs> ever? And the answer is probably no. But man, like, but they might have you, to because they're you, losing. Right, exactly, a terrible defense. You know, 
I don't I don't even want to say it, but like maybe Derrick Henry is not gonna be the best ever. I don't know. You know, we'll we'll see. I I, I don't want to be the guy to say that, but uh so I so I won't. So we'll just edit that out. So, but you know, and then so if you hit on Trey Lambergs at his current ADP and the Titans are a little pass heavier than you think that they're gonna be, uh could be could be good, could be a, a good value. So I just watched a bunch of Traylon Burks in prep for our next episode. And it to me was exactly what I was expecting. He was transitioning from basically like a schemed up slot receiver role back in college. And then they put him on the outside for like 79% of his snaps. And there was times where he was like lost, like either lining up in the line of scrimmage. He was yeah. slow after the snap to get out there. There was times where he would get jammed up, even though he's really big. But then there was also some plays where you're like, wow, he's making some big plays downfield. You can see that size and athleticism start to pop. So I was out on him last year because I thought that the transition, especially after those conditioning issues, was going to be way too much to overcome. This year, I'm more willing to buy the dip, for example, here, just because it's like Nick Westbrook-Akine and Kyle Phillips. I watched the Kyle Phillips tape. The Kyle Phillips tape was not very good, in my opinion, either. So I think that this is fine. I, I have some upside uh, with Traylon Burks, I think he's going to be better in best ball. I think the cons- the consistency is not going to be there, but he makes plays like this. I mean, I like how he does the the two small uh, little dance right there as well. <laughs> so I, I think he, I think this is appropriate ADP. And I thought I was going to be completely out on Traylon Burks because I thought he was going to get too steamed up. Right. But I think that there's more upside here, probably capped as like a wide receiver two three. But that would be about a twelve wide receiver spot win if he if he does hit. Yeah, I mean, I I think that the, the the steam really put me off of Burks last summer. Um, it, it, you know, some of it had to do with the conditioning issues. I mean, some of those reports, if I remember correctly, blurbing those things, it was a little little disturbing. I mean, oh, you know, yeah. stuff mm-hmm. like he's not not breathing he's properly. Yeah, yeah, like re- real real bad. Uh, you, real, speaking of that, Denny, do you remember his closing line ADP in terms of wide receivers? Because it was don't. actually later than I thought, but it was obviously peaked much higher than that. It was wide receiver forty nine. Um, was it really? Oh, okay, so yeah, a little bit. Because I think at some point it probably got up to like wide receiver thirty nine at yeah, one point. Dropped. Um, so that kind of leads me into my point where we learn so much about players after their rookie season, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you can kind of draft right now, Traylon Burks at maybe where he was being drafted at his peak last all season, where like the variables were totally unknown, then I'm all for that. Like I'm with you. I, I wasn't a big Traylon Burks person coming to the league because the transition was massive. And we saw the transition happen in front of our eyes during his rookie year. Cause he was almost thrown into the fire a bit. And like Hayden said, he failed and he succeeded in some situations. But in order for the Titans to be like a watchable football team, Traylon Burks has to be the dude. No choice. Has to be. There, yeah. there is nothing else that can happen here in the passing game. And who knows how many opportunities he's going to have inside the red zone, inside the 10, mm-hmm. inside the five, and like legit high value target options. But I will wager on that area of the board, again, wide receiver 37, which is ahead of like the Marquise Browns, the Gabe Davises of the world. There's a few other wide receivers I like more in that area, but I, I will take this risk. And I, especially because I don't have to stack them with this quarterback. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm trying not to stack, you know, Titans here, uh, especially <laughs> since I don't think Ryan Tannehill is going to get more than like four starts here before they pull the plug on that whole situation. Uh, yeah. I mean, Burks is going, it's going to require more, uh, you know, high value stuff. Uh, I, I'm looking at his numbers from last year. He had all of three 
uh, targets inside the 10 yard line. He caught right. one, one of those for six yards, no, no touchdowns. And he only had four red zone targets inside, you know, inside the 20. So that, that, that is going to have to shift. They're going to have to use him as more of a weapon. And, and, you know, size wise, it makes sense. The uh, lack of other options, other pass catching options in that area of the field, it would make sense. So hopefully he gets that. I guess that's my hope here. And my other note was, I have a theory that the wide receivers that aren't on the stackable offenses make for better one-offs because I think that their stacking components elevate the ADPs. And since nobody's going out of the way to stack Traylon Burks because they don't have any other Titans, then to me, some of these one-offs like Traylon Burks could make some. Yeah, I don't, I'm not expecting a bunch of red zone t- uh, touchdowns or anything like that because the Titans are going to be so bad. But I do think that he has a size, speed, and the downfield ability yeah, and splashes where he can have three long touchdowns over the course of the season. That's honestly just enough. And there are some players, and hopefully everyone's going to tune into our breakout second year wide receiver show, which we post the day after this one. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some players you look back on and you're still wondering where they win and if that translates to the NFL. I can point to where Traylon Burks wins as like just being a better athlete than people and working over the middle of the field and then catching it and running it. And if you know this new offensive coordinator who's been with the team actually for quite a bit and was Deshaun Watson's previous OC and Tim Kelly back in uh, back in Houston, then maybe at least you can manufacture a handful of those per game and we get something from it. Even if, like, again, the floor is lower just for being on an offense we are all all pessimistic about. It, it would it would be nice if they manufactured a little bit. You're right. I mean, that that is a key word here, like uh try try to get the ball to Traylonburg like make him a priority uh, you know I don't know it, it seemed like Mike Vrabel was not a huge Traylon Burks fan last year and hopefully yes. that has changed <laughs> well yeah. I think Vrabel could do more push-ups than Traylon Burks last training camp and I was probably <laughs> going into it that's so. true the, we, the, the slides and the wind sprints that we saw I don't think I didn't see Traylon yeah. Burks in that video that is true. something to monitor. <laughs> I saw Vrabel at the Super Bowl last year, uh, just in, in passing in the lobby, and I can confirm he is a large, large, large guy. Man. Have you ever been on vacation after a long day of activities or sightseeing? You have a night in room service, bathrobes, and television or movies. And when you're in a foreign country, you scroll Netflix or Hulu or whatever streaming service you have, and you realize that. The library of content there is so much larger than it is in the United States. You start a new show, a new series, and when you get back home, you realize you now have to find that on a different service or pay for it in a different way. That is where Surfshark comes in. It's a VPN service that lets you virtually travel the world with a tap of a finger. You can go to Spain, Canada, Costa Rica to watch the content available in those countries. So you can try Surfshark today, totally risk-free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And get Surfshark VPN at surfshark.deals underdog or enter promo code underdog for three extra months for free. You heard me right, three extra months for free. That is surfshark.deals underdog. All right, uh, now we turn to the tight end portion of the show. Uh, next up, Denny, it is tight end nine. 103 overall and we've only done two episodes of this and now he's been mentioned in both episodes oh nice Good. yes it's david and joku folks and i cannot stop uh targeting him uh in that range it just it feels it feels so right and you know he uh, 
very kind of up and down last year. I get that. But if you, you know, he was uh, seventh in tight end uh, target share in the second half of the season last year. I know I'm, I'm cherry picking a little bit, but what, what else can you do this time of year? And, uh, and then he was, uh, I lost it here, guys. Uh, he was 11th in yards per route run among tight ends throughout the entire season. And, that, and that's with some pretty, uh, you know, pretty low production times in the uh, early in the season. Um, but basically, I mean, like you guys know, I mean, David Njoku, uh, anytime he's given a full share of routes, he, he he delivers right yeah, i mean he just good. he just delivers yeah he Deliver. had 29 routes per game last year and i think everyone's expectation should be the browns are going to pass significantly more this year just yeah. because i mean they're trying to get the most out of the redacted quarterback so if if deshaun can just play better or just bet back to where he was there is a lot of room for david njoku to to pay off this price tag and like you said josh he's the tight end nine but he, there's a pretty big gap in like actual overall picks versus the Dallas Goddard and Darren Waller zone. Mm-hmm. And it comes right around the ADP of Deshaun Watson. I, I like drafting good quarterbacks in, in half PPR. And I have been stacking a little bit with the Browns. And most importantly, David Njoku is a grown ass man out there, super athletic and doesn't come off the field. Like he doesn't get subbed out for, for any reason whatsoever. And this last year, they actually put him out in the slot. Uh, from time to time too so to me this is like a, a layup pick for me as well I, I like drafting some David Njoku yeah you know uh, they they could use him in the slot a, l- a little more for my liking and and hopefully they do you mentioned the the likely changes coming to the Cleveland offense uh, and I'm I've been really looking for some some tea, some tea leaves to read there I haven't found much but uh, um, Njoku was only used in the slot on 35 percent of his routes last year I mean, you like you love to see that get up to like half, you know, get up to like fifty percent. And a guy like him, you would think would just, you don't have to think, you know. I mean, he's a total mismatch for whoever is covering him. He's too fast for the big guys. He's too big for the smaller guys in the secondary. So let's let's get him in the slot, uh, Stefanski. Yeah, he's my most drafted tight end at this point. It, now it's the third straight show we've talked about him, uh, which is great. That means we all love him. Uh, two questions: one, Hayden. I think the only jump and leap of faith you have to make is that Deshaun Watson's going to play better this year than he did in the second half or the final stretches of last year. Mm-hmm. Is that like a fair assumption to make? I mean, I think that's pretty fair versus the small sample that he had last year. I mean, he Deshaun has to just be as good as Jacoby Brissett was last year because David Njoku, before he got injured, was dominant. He went on like a stretch of like seven, eight, nine target games, like back to back to back to back. I think he can do that. And I like Elijah Moore. I think he's a, he's an upgrade over what they had last year. But is Elijah Moore going to walk in there and start getting eight to ten targets a game? Probably not. Amari Cooper's missed some time historically. So, I don't know, man. I, if I was just ranking, if I was an NFL GM and I was just ranking who are the best tight ends in the, in the NFL, David Njoku is like a borderline top five guy for me. And he can yeah. do a little bit of everything. Yeah, you, you talked about Njoku's hot start to the season before that injury where he missed – he missed three games total, uh, I think two games with that first injury. Uh, he was heading into week eight when he when he suffered the injury. Uh, he had a uh, 21% target share. You know, I mean, that's that's, yeah. that's tough to find among tight ends. It's really tough to find, I mean, outside of the elites. So you can find that at a relatively cheap price yeah. uh, in best ball right now. 
And then he had the highest percent of his team's targets inside the 10 yard line among all tight ends across the league, which is a nuts number to think about. Okay. Last strategy question, Hayden. Deshaun Watson gets drafted at 83 overall, already my highest drafted quarterback. What could go wrong? Um, And then after that, Elijah Moore goes 102 overall. David Njoku goes 103 overall. You have to pick one when you are drafting, basically. So which one is it? Yeah, I would go with David Njoku. I have been drafting a lot of Elijah Moore because I there's been like especially this year because the the running back ADPs are have dropped and the wide receiver ADPs have climbed. I find myself kind of trying to catch up to the wide receivers a little bit, so I have been finding myself into Elijah Moore situations. And the wide receivers by Elijah Moore are really bad in my opinion. He kind of stands out to me, but I think that David Njoku has much higher touchdown odds. Um, I like him straight up better than Evan Ingram and we played the touchdown variance game at the tight end position more than the others. There's a chance that he scores to 10 touchdowns. He can have the Dawson Knox type of season just because I think this offense has chances to be at least top five. You know, guys, I I do my best research during podcasts. I have to love it, you know, and, and I'm, I'm grinding away. I'm control effing. I'm looking for where in Joku, you know, we're splitting, we're doing the splits. We're doing finding this. And I just found something I just have to share with the, with the class. Gold. Uh, Njoku was second among all tight ends last year behind only, you know, who Travis Kelsey in red zone targets. So that that's, uh, I think that tells you how Stefanski sees him as a weapon. All right. Next up tight end 11, 116 overall. It's Dalton Kincaid. It is Kincaid. And, you know, I feel like before he got to that tight end 11 spot, I was more in on, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but uh, we're, we're still going, we're still going with good. Him. You better. It's for the yeah, show. That's right. That's right. And, and uh, I, I know, you know, the, the folks online, they love to say, well, he's, he's not really a tight end. He's a receiver. And I'm going to say, first of all, no, he's a tight end. <laughs> so let's, let's let's just dismiss that. I mean, we we say the same thing about every athletic tight end ever is that he's a receiver, and I do I do think that his uh, maybe one dimensional nature of just just being a pass catcher could keep him off the field uh, quite a bit as as a rookie, maybe early on, especially uh, that freaks me out a, a little bit. But this this Buffalo offense is desperate for a, a second pass catching threat like totally. they, they just they need it they they have to have it they're they're looking for it so maybe Kincaid is it and if he is then probably tight end 11 is going to prove to be a value Denny that's my number one point here because I think people need to realize that outside of Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs this offense is really not that good it's not um, good no. like this, especially at pass catchers over the last few years and guys that are running routes on every single snap Like it's been below average. And I know Gabe Davis and look, we were on the Gabe Davis train last year just because of how could it go wrong? Well, we saw how it goes wrong when he gets injured and two, he's almost like a linear player with a narrow skill set in a way. So if now you have someone that other than Stefan Dix on the field, you can say, Hey, go win your matchup. That's why you take someone like Dalton Kincaid. That's why, you know, the Minnesota Vikings go out there and trade for someone like TJ Hawkinson and then draft someone like Jordan Addison when, you know, Justin Jefferson gets doubled. So, like, you have Kincaid now who is so good at creating that sliver of space against man coverage or if there's, like, a fifth defensive back who is in his hip pocket, really good in contested situations. And then when the opposition plays zone, Hayden, we know this when going through all of Kincaid's film, he has a really good feel 
for that spatial awareness. And then in extended plays, it's the exact same thing. So this to me is like their real first go round of Mm -hmm. Stefan Diggs is an elite talent. We've gotten by with a bunch of average to below average talents around him. This is our first next like good pass catcher that we're adding to this group in the hopes of elevating it. And this is probably an unfair comparison, but I'm bringing up Cole Beasley's stats as a 31 and 32-year-old. These are the two seasons he had next to Steph Diggs with Josh Allen in Buffalo. He had 107 and 112 targets for 82 catches in each one of those years. So this is what they're kind of probably trying to envision. Now, like you said, Denny, a lot of these quote-unquote slot-wide receivers that are tight ends rarely actually pan out. But this is the offense where, like you said, they just need somebody out there and they need somebody to roam this part of the field. They use Steph Diggs kind of as an intermediate deep threat. A lot of the time, Gabe Davis is only basically a, a, a scramble drill and deep threat only type of guy. So maybe it's like Khalil Shakur versus him. And I think that Dawson Knox is basically just going to turn into like a 60% uh, percent a snap player and just block basically the whole time. So he won't have the, the same amount of snaps as others, but they pass so much uh, in general that maybe just the total numbers are there. Yeah. Well, what, what do you guys think about Knox? Because I, I don't, I don't know if I can dismiss him completely here and say, well, he's going to just be used in this, these certain ways. I mean, last year, Dawson Knox was fourth in tight end uh, slot routes, fourth, uh, you know, just behind uh, I'm, I'm trying to find here behind Andrews, Kelsey, uh, Logan Thomas. Is that right? Yeah, I'm sure it is. I I think to that point, Denny, what the Bills do as a whole, like their mentality is to spread out to throw, you know? So I'm not saying the slot snaps are deceiving at all, but now with Dalton Kincaid in there, he almost certainly gets those. And while in the past, the Bills have kind of chased that second tight end, whether it be a contract to Tyler Croft or whether it be chasing a former first round pick in OJ Howard, this is the first investment they've had it. And maybe with some of those, Dawson Knox would have been the athletic and move guy, but now he's locked into the role that he was against the Rams and other teams last year when, Hey, the bills offense was weak. I've got to stick in here and block and like max protect. And that's not going to be Kincaid's role no matter what. Yeah, no, I, we, we have that going for us. You know, we, we, I don't, I don't like when my tight ends are good at blocking, you know, (laughs) come on, man. You got it really is the Dawson Knox problem to be honest with you. I mean, good at blocking. I'm I'm begging George Kittle to get worse at blocking, you know, <laughs> like like just, just work work this off season on forgetting you, you know everything you know about blocking so that you can get out there and run more routes, George. You know, but but no, he's selfish about that. Denny, you're basically like trying to thread the needle between being good enough at blocking to be out there on the field at all <laughs> yeah. times, but bad enough where you need to be out there in every single time a pass route is called. That's right. Yes, Mark yes, Andrews. Yes. Yeah. Right. You, you need, there needs to be some balance. George Kittle. I know, I know Kittle's listening to this. I know he's a big fan of the show and, and, (laughs) and he, and, but yeah, I mean, so those games where you get Kittle running like 14 routes, that's infuriating, you know? And, and so, but we don't have that problem with Kincaid because it appears that he has never blocked in his life. Thank God for that. My, my final point here on the playing time thing is look, who's being drafted two tight end spots and 15 picks after him. And it's Chigo Quanquo who is in a much worse offense, oh. who is maybe at best going to play 60% of the snaps this year and yeah. maybe closer to 45 to 50%. And that's only a 15-pick difference. Mm-hmm. And like, I I really like Chig as a player, but yeah, yeah. It, 
I, I would just be rather taking Dalton Kincaid at his spot versus the ADP that Chig has at this moment. Yeah, but the, the Chig thing is like it probably really good player, horrendous situation, yeah. you know. And you and sometimes you can't get around the situation. Yeah. All right, we close with one more rookie tight end. Yeah. As everyone says, uh, rookie tight ends always pay off, and they will after yeah. the show. Too. <laughs> it is uh, tight end nineteen one sixty one overall, and that's Sam Laporta. We we love we love our rookie tight ends, don't we, folks? And uh, yeah, it's the cheat code to fantasy football. That's what everyone always says. Yeah, yeah. Although I I do I do think that I think that the game has progressed to a point where we can we'll, we'll start to see rookie tight ends. Yeah, we I mean, we have you know being used more consistently and not and not just put on the bench and like rarely uh, rarely used. Anyway, Sam Laporta. We had a we had a blurb on Roto World uh, a couple weeks ago. From the Athletics, uh, Colton Pouncey mm-hmm. caught my attention. Said that uh, Sam Laporta was quote the best player on the field by a wide margin in a rookie minicamp. Maybe that's not shocking to you. It, I guess it's not stunning to me either. Uh, but it, they said that he, you know, he really did. Uh, he really did show what he can do as a pass catcher, as a mismatch uh, in the middle of the field. I know that. I know that's where Amon Ross St. Brown roams. I, I do. I do get that. But again, I mean. Besides St. Brown, who is obviously a target hog, there's not a whole lot of target competition here. And I feel like Laporta, if he gets something close to a full complement of of snaps and routes, which could be asking a lot, I understand that, uh, could be interesting at at ADP. I will say, like Kincaid, I am a little wary. If Laporta starts climbing in the summer, I might back off. And he already has. I mean, he's climbed 34 spots since wow. like the third day of Best Ball Mania 4 opening to now. Like I remember Hayden, when we talked about him first, he was tied in 23 and now he's all the way up to tied in 19. So people agree with you, Denny. Yeah. And I mean, he has what Brock Wright and James Mitchell uh, ahead of him. Or, Are you sure oh, it's not oh, Brock we- Mitchell and James Wright? I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, oh, man, you made me think that I had lost. I know. I know. That's the point. Uh, <laughs> Those are Chad GPT names for tight ends. Yeah. Yeah, they're not real. Uh, we can confirm that they're not real. But yeah, as as tight that's his tight end competition on the depth chart right now. So I, you know, I feel pretty good about a, a a super productive tight end in in this offense. In you know, an offense that is aggressive and and a little bit more pass heavy than we expected last year. I view Laporta pretty similarly to Dalton Kincaid in that they're receiving types that have the question marks if they're going to be able to play enough snaps just because Laporta is 11th percentile height, 19th percentile weight. And I have a, a, at least some concern that Dan Campbell, a tight end in his own right, is going to really care about blocking out there. And Sam Laporta has been a little bit inconsistent there. But like you said, his ADP is really low. And I think that there is a chance that the, rook, the rookie tight end narrative gets diminished just a little bit because they can really use another weapon, at least in the early parts of the season. And then these other guys that you're talking about, I mean, we're talking about like a fifth rounder and then Brock Wright's basically done just about nothing. So I think at this point, he's probably going to be stuck in tight end two territory, but I, I do like his odds to be a tight end two, and we need those in best ball. And despite those no names, even after TJ Hawkinson was traded last year, Lions tight end scored nine touchdowns last year. Yes. I mean, they set a franchise record with 12, you know? Like it's, 
it's pretty crazy that I don't think either of those guys were relevant last year. And maybe was Jesse James on the roster? Maybe I'm pulling names from like five years ago. Another chat GPT name. Right. (laughs) But what's, what's interesting to me with Laporte is exactly what you said. Hayden is kind of where he's going at this moment. And like that tight end 19 territory. And it kind of goes all the way back to what we spoke about earlier, where there's other tight ends around that area let's say like Jawan Johnson, Gerald Everett, Dawson Knox, Taysom Hill, Michael Mayer, where in builds where I wait so late until tight end, I tend to gravitate to only like two or three of those versus Mm -hmm. investing in all six. And I'm just crossing my fingers that I'm investing in the right two to three of them. And hopefully, you know, uh, I don't know. Mike Kosicki doesn't have a monster year this year, or else I'm going to suck. I'm not worried about that. <laughs> I'm not worried about Mike Kosicki. Uh, does, does, does that comment make sense, though? Because, like, again, oh, yeah. that's that Frankenstein tight end that we always talk about. And I have my favorites, you know, of like that grouping of eight. I draft about four of them. And again, I'm just hoping to draft the right four. Yeah, I've got like 50% Luke Musgrave right now. So I, I'm with you on these punts, the tight end, and just see, yeah, see what happens over and there. So yeah. It's a it's a cheap way to stack. Uh if you know, if you like a certain stack, like a Packers stack, you get Jordan Love, mm-hmm. you get Christian Watson, then you 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 wait and wait and wait and get Musgrave later, you know. And and same thing somewhat with with Laporta, although you say you mentioned Taysom Hill. For me, it's Taysom Hill, no matter what, in these drafts. So uh, I'm I am fully Taysom pilled, as our friend Davis Maddock might might say. Laporte, I I I wanted to mention, and I, I'm sure you've heard this stat, but for the listeners who maybe haven't, I know that the Iowa offense was not exactly a juggernaut last year or any time, but Laporte accounted for 35 percent of the team's receiving yards last year. That's absurd for a tight end, especially. Yeah, I had he had the second most broken tackles at the position last mm. year, and he was third in targets from the slot or out wide among all college tight ends. So he's got the profile that we're looking for if he can hold up on the field. If Dan Campbell can't do more pushups than Laporta, that's a that's a valid point, Hayden. I, I you know I hadn't I really hadn't considered it. Dan Campbell likes his dudes nice, big, and beefy, and he he wants he wants them in there. Doing the dirty stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Laporta can do that. I don't know if he we'll can see. bite the knee taps. We'll see. Um, speaking of nice, big, and beefy, Denny, this has been <laughs> tremendous. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Um, it's been a long time, no chat type of scenario. And yeah, uh, I miss podcasting with you. So thanks for uh, joining us here. Uh, the true degenerates who are drafting in uh, in mid-May. Uh, anything right. before you go that you want to plug obviously cd carter 13 on twitter yeah. and you and pat are you know still jibber jabbing over on the twitter sphere and uh podcast sphere over at rotor world as well we, we do all the, the gibbering and the jabbering on the uh, rotor world football show you can check that anywhere you get podcasts also uh pat and i do a weekly segment called galaxy brains which you can find on the nfl on nbc youtube page our minds are expanding and we want to bring you along for the ride so check that out that's it. All right. Again, Hayden and I will be back probably tomorrow here on the channel with our second year wide receiver slash breakout show. So be on the lookout for that. Check out the rest of the show and all of Hayden's stuff that is linked in the description down below in terms of written content. For Hayden, for Denny, I'm Josh. Up the fellow. Talk to y'all soon. See ya.